your peace in this place today. Lord, we thank you that you say where two or three are gathered in your name. There you are in the midst. And Lord, today we thank you that you are with us. Lord, you are God with us, Emmanuel. Thank you that you've never left us to wander through life, trying to navigate this journey on our own. But Lord, you're right by us, champion us. Lord, and today we pray, Lord, if there's anybody in this place that feels they've lost direction, that feels like they're walking a lonely path, Lord, I pray, Lord, that through the words that we've sung as we've worshipped, Lord, through the words that I say now, Lord, there would, there would be people that would find hope and encouragement to know they don't have to do life on their own. They don't have to be the captain of their own ship, charting and plotting their course, because, Lord, you want to be right there, guiding us and leading us. So, Lord, we thank you for each person today. Lord, and we pray that as I speak, Lord, you would just use my simple words, Lord, to minister into the lives of people. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it is so, so good to see you all this Mother's Day. You know, and Mother's Day, like David said, it was great listening to all the children talking about what gifts they'd brought their mums. And I know there was a bit of a stir at the back today as there were gifts on the tables. And us girls, well, I was in there nosing around to think, oh, what am I going to have a bit later? All sorts of different things. But do you know what? Mother's Day is a great day to honor our mothers and the people, maybe not our mothers, maybe it could be an auntie or an uncle or an auntie or a sister or a friend that has come alongside and championed us. You know, and I know one thing about when we want to say thank you is that we do give gifts, don't we? We do like to give gifts. Giving gifts is our way of showing somebody how much we care for them. You know, gift giving takes place at all different times of year, Mother's Day, Father's Day, birthdays, and Christmas. And it's a time where we can be loved upon and we can really receive love. You know, some of the gifts that we receive can be very different, can't they? You can have a gift that's very um, indulgent. Perhaps it's like if we're talking about ladies, maybe it's a necklace or a piece of jewelry. You can also get those practical gifts. Has anyone ever been given a drill as a birthday present or a Christmas present or a hoover? You know, a steam mop. You can have like those practical gifts and then you can just have those gifts that are just like really frivolous. Do you know what? And I, I've been a giver. I've been a receiver, should I say, of one of those gifts by my wonderful husband. And it was when, it was my birthday, and my birthday is in January, and I was 23. And guess what Dave bought me? No children. We didn't have children, okay? So just set the scene of the landscape. No children, 23, and we lived on a mountain, okay? So guess what Dave bought me as my birthday present? Yeah, any guesses? No, they weren't wellies. It was not a drill. Anything else? Yes, Dave thought I would love a scooter for my 23rd birthday, like the ones that the kids have. And he's like, look, look, Faye, what I got you. I'm like, wow, have you got one too? 
Hey, Dave, you'll see me scootering up and down the road while I'm waiting for you to come home from work then on my own as a 23-year-old with all the other 23-year-olds that scooter in the estates after they come home from work. So needless to say, his, he was so excited. He was really excited. Dave is brilliant at gifts. He is really good at gifts. He's really out there as well. Like one year he did tell me that he, had, he was ready to make me a pair of jeans. It is. It's this creative outlet that he made. And I'm like, you know, you can buy them just like H&M and stuff. No, no. I, he said, I've been researching. I'm making you a pair. And I'm like, well, that will be lovely. Thank you. I look forward to receiving you make me a pair of jeans. But Dave is awesome. But, you know, that gift was kind of one of the gifts that I remember well. A scooter on my 23rd birthday. But you know, Dave and all of us, we love giving gifts. I'm sure we love really letting the person we love know how much we love them. And do you know what? God's exactly the same with us. He loves giving us his kids gifts. Listen to what it says in James 1 verse 17. It says, every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. You know, God is a gift giver. He loves to lavish his kids, humanity, with gifts. You know, and I feel we only have to look. We've, we've given reason. We've given, um, we've given time for this today. We only have to think about the ultimate gift that, G, um, that God gave. And God's ultimate gift for humanity came in the form of his son, didn't it? You know, Jesus was one of God's ultimate gifts for humanity. And you know, Jesus laid down his life for us so that we could have peace with God. We could have peace with God. That vacuum that had been, there had been between God and man through sin was absolutely, the bridge was kind of brought, you know, it was vacuumed and closed together through the gift of Jesus. Do you know what? So Jesus was the ultimate gift that God gave. But I love that it just doesn't stop there. You think, can it go anymore? Can it go anymore? You know, God's gift to us in Jesus gave us peace with him. But then he went one step further I'm going to read a scripture shortly, but I want you to think about, before I read this scripture, if you were going to give a gift to your kid because you were leaving, what gift would you give? What gift would you give to your loved one if you knew that you weren't going to be around? You know, I started thinking about that for my family. And I thought, oh, do you know what? If I'm not going to be around anymore, oh, to have a lovely trust fund, you know, with a pot of money that could help them. Maybe I'd give them my, you know, leave my house for them. I'd leave 
Well, they, I was going to say I'd leave my car, but I don't really think that would be like classed as a gift for them. You know, like our car is multi-purpose. Not only can it carry like six, seven people in it, but did you know they convert them as ho ambulances for horse things? Did you know as well? I reckon it could be converted as a hearse. It could, like literally it could. Daniel saw a funeral car going out the other day and he's like, Mum, look, there's our car. I said, I know. I know, darling, it's just a different colour. Do you know now Sang Yong, who was the people that made our car, are like so forward thinking. If you don't have a Sang Yong, you really are not at the cutting edge of car technology. I just want you to know that. Because if you were to go onto their website, you would see that Sang Yong have now now converted our car into a camper van. I'm serious, I am not lying. It has a, a lift-up roof, and then you can fold all the seats down to make it beds. So, you know, whilst Dave and I are loving the luxury of a Sangyong, I don't think our kids would love the Sangyong gifted to them. But, you know, think about the kind of things that you would want to give your kids. You know, maybe, like I said, an inheritance of money, your house, that kind of thing. That's the kind of things that I thought about. And then, you know, when God, when Jesus left earth, God said, I'm going to give you a gift. Now listen to what the gift was that God said he was going to leave humanity. And it's found in John 14, 27. I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So do not be troubled or be afraid. When I read that, I was like, God, what a gift. That is why God is God and I am not God. Because if I was leaving a gift, I was thinking in terms of money, you know, provision, all of that. And God's like, no, 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 no. They don't need that. They think they need that, but they don't need that. I'm going to give them the ultimate gift. I am going to give them the gift that is going to see my kids flourish through life. And God says, I'm going to give you peace. I am going to give you peace, peace of heart and peace in your mind. You know, I look at that and I think, God, that is not a useless gift. That is a gift that we can each really take value from in our day-to-day -day lives. You know, to assure somebody that they don't have to be troubled or afraid. Have you ever thought, Lord, my life seems so uncertain, I don't know what it holds. You know, to, to be given that gift that says, do you know what? You don't have to be troubled. You don't have to be afraid. Because I'm going to give you peace. Peace that the world can't give. It's a gift the world cannot give. Only God can give this peace. How precious this gift is. A gift that comes from the creator. Do you know what peace means? Peace means rest. It means quietness. It means peace. It means one. You know, like whole. Like all together. Like bringing all those divided parts and making it whole. That is what peace means. 
And Jesus has said that he has given us that gift. You know, if you read through uh, the New Testament, you'll see um, the Apostle Paul that writes many, many books of the Bible. And if you have a look at his greeting at the beginning of those books, his greeting looks very similar in a number of chapters. And I'm going to read it from Ephesians 1. And it says this, May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. You know, as Paul opens up his, um, his letters, he starts off by saying, may God give you grace and peace. Is that just a nice thing to write? Is that like, dear John, or is there something in that that we really need to lay hold of and apprehend for our lives. You know, the Bible talks about, Jesus talks about, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Paul says he's come, he wants us to have grace and peace in our day-to-day lives. So for the moments that we've got together today, I just want to talk about this beautiful thing called peace, this beautiful gift that God has given to each one of us today. This gift that God wants to see us live in It's an experience. It's something to be experienced. This peace that God gives, he says, it means that it's in your heart and your mind. It's experiential. You don't have to be troubled or you don't have to be afraid when we're living in that peace. And there's two aspects in particular that I want to look at today. And the first aspect that I want to look at is that God wants to give us peace in our relationships. Unless we are living on a desert island, the reality is that we have people surrounding us. And you know, we all are very different in our makeup. We have some that are quiet, we have some that are loud, we have some that are just outspoken. We've got some that hold everything in even though they feel like they're crumbling on the outside. And then we have others that just can express the anguish that they're going through really easily. You know, we're all so different. We're all one, we're all um, kind of meeting one another and we're all so different. So relationships are a key part of our day-to-day lives. There's not many of us that probably would go through a day without meeting somebody, without kind of being in interaction with somebody. So if there's one thing that the enemy is going to want to do in our lives is he's going to want to, because we know that the Bible says that the enemy comes to seek, to kill, steal, and destroy. So he's going to look at those areas of our lives where he can kind of come in to destroy. He can kind of come in to to cause some trouble. Now, Jesus says, I've come that you don't have to be troubled. You don't have to be afraid. But the enemy isn't going to say, oh, well, that's a wonderful promise. I'm going to let that just happen in people's lives. No, no, no. The enemy who is real is going to seek to try and cause division in our relationships wherever possible. So one thing that Jesus says that we can have peace in when we look at our lives is he says we can have peace in our relationships. And I want us to turn right now to a Colossians 3 verse 15. And this is what it says. It says, and let the peace 
that comes from God rule in your hearts. Do you know what the word rule means? The word rule there means to be the umpire. Let the peace of God that comes where from? Let's make it really simple. Where does it say the peace come from? Does it say the peace comes from our job? Does it say the peace comes from the houses that we live in and the cars we drive? Does it say that peace comes from the person we've married or our friends? No, it says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule or be the empire in our hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. Let the peace of God rule in our hearts. As members of one body, we are called to live in peace. So God says, hey, there's this provision called peace and I am giving it to you. But then he doesn't say I'm doing it all for you. Because here the second part of the verse says, as members of one, if members of one body. So is he referring to himself there? No, who's he referring to? He's referring to us. So he said, let the peace of God be the ruler, the empire in our hearts. And as members of one body, we are called to live in peace. So if we want to know what our relationship should look like, he's, Jesus is clearly telling us that we are called, we are called to live in peace. You know when people say, oh, I don't know what, I don't know what my future holds. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I don't know what my calling is in life. I don't know what I'll be. Well, if you don't know what you'll be, that's fine. But I would take my example and my reference point from the Word of God. And actually, if you're not sure if you're going to be a heart surgeon or if you're going to be a, a window cleaner, that's okay because what we do know and what we can have certainty of is that God has says we are called to live in peace. Sometimes Sometimes we focus more attention on our credentials and our occupation and our certificates than actually thinking about the day-to-day -day interactions that we have with the people all around us. And God says that we are called to live in peace. We are called to live in peace. So he's done his bit. He says, right, now it's your time to do your bit. I will be, I will give you peace that will be the ruler in your hearts, but now you have to work this out. Well, how do I work this out, Faye? Well, the great thing is he gave us the answer a few verses before. So we're going to jump to verse 12 of chapter 3 in Colossians, and it says this, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves. So there we can't get away from that now, okay? He's saying it's about us, okay? It's not about your neighbor, the person that you sat next to. He's chosen you and I to be the holy people that he loves. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We want to live in peace? We've got, to we've got to clothe ourselves. You know when we get dressed every day? We're used to getting dressed every day. We, well, we pray we are. Toddlers are not used to getting dressed every day. Do you ever, if anyone's had children, they get home from nursery, they fling it all off. They love running around naked. But God says, you know, we are all used to getting dressed every day. You know, and we take a lot. Some, and again, sometimes we take more time wondering what outfit that we're going to wear. And God's saying, hey, 
hey, do you know what? It doesn't matter if you turn up in a bin bag. If your attitude stinks, if you don't know how to treat one another, what is the whole point of this thing? You know, it says we've got to clothe ourselves. It doesn't say because he chose us to be holy and he loves us. Clothe yourselves with the finest Primark designer fashion. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. He says, no, clothe yourself in tender-hearted mercy, in kindness. That God can't do this for us. He's done that for us. He's paid his price by dying on the cross for us. And now he's like, hey, but tag, you're it now. You've got to work some stuff out. I love being lazy. I love that people would just, I would love to have someone cooking clean for me. I really would. I would love it. I would love for people to just do everything that I have need of. But the reality is it don't work like that. I've got to do stuff. And it's the same with our lives. We have got to clothe ourselves in the things that are going to see success in our relationships. We have to be merciful. We have to be that. God's already demonstrated his mercy to us. We've got to now direct that towards the person next to us that's getting up our nose some of the time. We've got to be gentle. We've got to have patience with one another. Oh, look at this one. We've got to make allowance for each other's faults. When we were going out shopping for Mother's Day yesterday, I gave Dave my credit card because he forgot his wallet at home and he lost my card. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, I had to make allowance. You know when I was like... So anyway, it was fine, but I really had to think, oh, what am I going to do there now? Because I just lost my credit card because he forgot his wallet. And it's fine, it's fine. There we go. So we've got to make allowance for each other's faults. Oh, this is another good one. We've got to forgive one another. Oh, I don't like doing that. I just like writing a list in my head of all the things that people have done to knock me. That's what I like doing. Probably you like doing that as well. Get the little um, cupboard out and write, right, they did that today. They didn't put out the bins. They said this. They did that. You know, it can be anything. She looked at me the wrong way, write it on the list. And when I, you know, let it stew and brew. And then when it's time, you're just going to go machine gun them down, see them in tears. Does that say that's what the Bible says to do? No, the Bible says you've got to forgive those who offend you. And then it says, okay, so it's like, okay, this is what you've got to do. And when we start getting on our high horse and saying, well, you don't know how hard that is, Lord. Then he says, okay, just remember the Lord forgave you. Okay, when we came to Jesus, we would know that we were not perfect. And we, he also knows that we can be a bit high-minded and we can like, I'm not doing this because, and duh, 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 they've done this in the past. And he's like, listen, before you start getting out your reasons of why you don't need to be kind and why you don't need to be merciful and why you don't need to forgive, can I just let you know, I forgave you first. I forgave you first. So he says, we've got to forgive each other. And he says, above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Corinthians says, love does not fail. 
love cannot fail. We sing it. We sing it about, Lord, your love never fails. Your love never... Well, it goes the same way in our relationships. Love doesn't have to fail. It's a bit of a tough one. But actually, we don't have to fail in our relationships because Corinthians says love does not fail. So sometimes I give myself way too much license and slack to behave the, one I, the way I want to behave. And then I wonder why there's strife in my relationships. Well, if you're wondering, let's just go back. To, let's write it on our, on our fridges and our Bible. Colossians 3. Just read that whole chapter. It talks about all sorts of stuff that's really helpful to living day-to-day life. But you see, Jesus wants to give us peace in our relationships. He said, I'm gifting you with it. But he's now, now you've got to work this thing out. Now you've got to work this thing out. So once he says, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony, then it goes on to say, once we've done all of that, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Jesus set the ultimate example. We cannot go around ignorant thinking that we don't know the way we need to act. And if we are ignorant and we don't need the way, don't know the way that we're to act, we need to take time to find out how we need to act. Further on in Colossians, it says, and let the word of God dwell in you richly. When you get saved, a Bible doesn't float from heaven and suddenly come through your head and all of that scripture lands in your brain for you to then be able to live out of. No, we've got to go seeking it. We've got to go looking for it. We've got to open it. We've got to do the thing. God's laid up the provision. We've got to appropriate that provision in our lives. We've got to take control and say, do you know what? If I've got to turn the TV off half hour before I normally so that I can find out what God's perspective is for my life, then we do that. But if we're ignorant, is that God's fault or our fault? It's not God's fault. It's completely ours. And sometimes I think we're just a bit easy on ourselves and we think that we're, well, I've said the prayer. I'm going to coast through life. Well, if that's all you want, if you want to just say the prayer and just coast through this Christian experience with a wing and a prayer where you don't really know a lot about what the word of God says and you go to heaven, you will go to heaven. That's assured. But is it really, is it really the abundant life that God is talking about for us? It's not. Hey, you go to heaven. But for me, I want to be somebody that says, Lord, what does your word say for my life? Because I know I'm great at messing things up. I don't know why we think we have so much authority for how we should live our lives. Like we, we're on this earth, but for a brief moment, and yet we use ourselves as final authority. Well, I think this. I'm thinking, well, in the light of eternity, Faye, actually, my 40 years so far doesn't really have a lot compared to the wisdom of God, the one who flung the stars in the space, the one that holds the world in the palm of his hands. Really, I think I need to submit myself to the lordship of God and the rule of God for my life and say, Jesus, I'm a follower of you and I want to be all that you want me to be. I want to know what your word says because I want to live it out in my day-to-day life. And that does take effort. 
Going to university to study takes effort. Going to school takes effort. If you want to get good grades in school, you're going to have to work. Why would it be any different to being a follower of Jesus? Why do we think, oh, this is just the easy bit? Well, like, where do you want to go? What do you want this Christian life to look like? For me, I'm like, Jesus, I need to know more because I'm really good at messing it up. I'm just really good at it. So I need to know what your ways are because his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. So the reality is probably a lot of us aren't thinking the right way or acting the right way if we're relying on us. We've got to say, God, what does your word say? And I want to do that. And, and that's why it says about take up your cross and follow him. Let's be honest, forgiving someone who offends you is not easy. It's not easy. God's not saying this is going to be easy. Being kind, being gracious, forgiving, looking beyond one another's faults isn't easy. But it's not about us standing on our podium and saying this, this, this. He's like, no, this is your position, church, as well. I died with my hands outstretched and you need to walk through your life dying to your daily desires to want to do this, this, this and this. We've got to live the Christ life. So Jesus tells us how we can have peace, how we are called to have peace in our lives. So that's one aspect in our relationships. The other area that I want us to look at is just peace in our day-to-day lives. Peace in living out this life. And I want us to look at Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 to begin with from the New Living Translation. And it says this, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then, then, okay, so let's just rewind it here. So there's a number of keys here, isn't there? Don't worry about anything. Is that God's job or our job? It's ours. His declaration is don't worry about anything. Well, actually, we're the ones that are in control of our thought processes. Okay, that's why the Bible says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be renewed. But let your mind be renewed in the word of God. We have to take control of this. God's word says this is how you do it. But worry is all about us taking control of our thought processes. So the Bible says, don't worry about anything. And what does it say then to kind of help us on our way? Don't worry about anything. Okay, so I'm not going to worry about anything, right? But I've got this circumstance. So how am I not going to worry about it? Because it's just all encompassing. I tell you how you're not going to worry about it. You're going to pray about it. The Bible says, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. So see, when we say, I am going to take control right now, and I am going to say, I am not going to let this circumstance, this storm, whatever it is, I am not going to let this consume my life with worry, because instead I am going to pray. Do you know what prayer is? It's saying, Jesus, I can't do this, Lord, but I know that you are all sufficient in all things to be able to meet my every need. So Lord, 
I am going to take my life to you. And I am going to lay my heart down before you and say, God, I need you to help me in this situation. So it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. You know, I read um, last night as I was going to bed, I read um, this thing came up on my uh, notifications on my phone. Being a mum is a thankless job. Being a mum is a thankless job. We've probably heard that banded around before. And I just looked at it and I thought, do you know what? Being God is a thankless job. Not being, I'm, like, being honest, like he's given us the world to live in. He's given us everything. And I don't know that sometimes I show my gratitude and thankfulness enough. You know, sometimes as parents, we bend over backwards for our kids and we really do all that we can. And like, you know, sometimes you're left thinking, they didn't even say thank you then. You know, I think as a parent, we're getting a glimpse of what it's like for God. You know, we're getting a glimpse of, but because let's be honest, we take it for granted. I want this, Lord. I want this, Lord. When do we ever thank God? How often do we thank him? This is what Thessalonians says in 5, um, what 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, rejoice always. Rejoice always. Well, what are you going to rejoice in? It's not like what's been watch you're watching on the TV, is it? Oh, thank you, Lord, for the next episode of this. No, you're not going to rejoice in this. You're going to rejoice in the Lord and what he has done for you. And I'm going to flip to Psalm 103, and you're like, well, what did he do? Well, let me tell you what he's done. In Psalm 103, it says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his best benefits. What does forget not all his benefit means? It means gratitude. It means thankfulness. When we, we're saying, Lord, thank you for all you've done. Well, what has he done? Well, he's forgiven. He's forgiven all, all our iniquities. He heals us. He redeems our life from destruction. He crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfied your mouth with good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagle. We've got a lot to be thankful for. Sometimes I think we're just a bit short-sighted. And because we haven't got what we think we want, we're not going to say thank you yet until we get what we think we want. Even though God's laid up everything that we already have need of. And Thessalonians says, rejoice always. It then says, pray without ceasing. Can you see how the two scriptures are kind of saying the same thing, which links in it directly with what Dave said about prayer today. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Flipping back to Philippians, it says, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Let's be the most thankful kids that there are. Let's be the ones, like the Bible says, when we wake up, we say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your goodness in my life. Thank you for redeeming my life from destruction. Lord, I will magnify your name. I will bless your name forever. Let's magnify and bless his name, pray, rejoicing and praying. And it says this, tell God what you need. Thank him for all he has done. Okay, so what happens when we've done that? 
then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. In John, it says, I'm sending you a gift, peace of mind and of heart, a gift that the world cannot give. Do not be troubled. Do not be afraid. Here it says, when you choose not to worry and when you choose to pray with an attitude of praise and thanksgiving to God, when we line ourselves up like that, it says, that's when we experience the peace of God. You know, these things, these principles that God gives us, they're almost like the, the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle. And what we're great at doing is we like tampering with. So we like to say, well, no, I'm not, you know, I will do a bit of prayer. I'm not going to stop worrying, though, because I think it's quite valid for me to worry about this. And da, 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 da. And then we wonder why we're going around with a heart full of fear and a troubled mind. Well, actually, let's just do what he says, because it works. When we do things God's way, it works. We like doing things our way, which is why we mess up. So God says, listen, don't worry. Instead, pray, let me know what you need and thank God. Thank me for all that I've done. And then the peace of God, does it say, then my peace will kind of see you through? No, it doesn't even say that. He's like, God's not even being scrimpy on the peace here, is he? He's like, hey, if you will do that, then my peace, oh, which exceeds anything you can understand, will guard your hearts and your minds. Oh, look, hearts and minds. John says, I'm giving you peace of heart and mind. He will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Let's live according to his word. Let's not live according to OK Magazine. Or like, you know, top 10 principles for how to do, do, do from some kind of guru. Let's like make Jesus the guru. I don't know why sometimes we fight, get more fascinated by what somebody on YouTube or what somebody that's done a course in this has to say. And we completely will take their word of higher value and place in our lives than the word of God. You know, really, when you look at it, we're a bit silly. We are a bit silly sometimes. And hey, God knows he's fine. He's fine with that because that is why he says. So he says all of this. And then he says this um, in verse 8. And now, dear brothers, one final thing. It's the Owen oh, before I go statement. So, you know, in the verses before, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. He knows we're going to hang on the last two sentences. Then the peace of God, which guards your heart and minds. Um, you know, I've forgotten it now. But he knows we're going to land on those two sentences, forgetting the bits that we've got to do ahead. Because we're great. We love hanging on the things that we think are really good for us. So then he has to say, okay, just one final thing. Let's bring, let's bring it back in. Fix your thoughts on what is true. So like he talks about don't worry. 
He talks about prayer. He talks about thankfulness. Tells us that we're going to have all this peace that surpasses understanding. But he's like, listen, you've got another little bit to do in this equation. If you want this peace, there's one thing you've got to do or a few things. You've got to fix your thoughts. What does that say to me? That means that our thoughts go wandering all the time. To have to fix your thoughts on something. That's where Paul's like, listen, I know that brain is going to be over there. And he's like, right, let's bring it back in. Another thing you've got to do. You've got to be resolute. And you have got to fix your thoughts on what? On what is true. What is honorable. What is right. What is pure. What is lovely. And what is admirable. Those are the things that we have to choose to fix our thoughts on. You know when you get a diagnosis maybe of something you're not feeling well? Can I maybe suggest don't run to the internet to find out all the stuff about it? Because what are you doing in that? You're going to start enveloping your mind in all of this stuff. But the Bible doesn't say to do that. Fix your thoughts on what is true. The Bible says he sent his word and he healed our diseases. You know, yes, what's going on in my body is going in on my body. But actually the truth of it is that even though I'm going through this, God has made provision for my healing through the death of his son. We have to choose and choose wisely where we're going to fix our thoughts. So he says there, listen, fix your thoughts on what is true, good, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise and keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the peace of God will be with you. He's given us this gift, but we have to appropriate it in our lives. We have to make the choice. We have to discipline our thoughts. We have to. We have to do what the Word of God says because we have no other option for this life that He wants to give us that's full of abundance. You know, God has given us this. This is This is your inheritance. This is my inheritance. Peace that guards our minds and hearts. Maybe you've been through a really tough time. Maybe life has been tough. Maybe success has brought a whole heap of problems that you didn't think were going to come knocking on your door. Perhaps there's things that are going on and you think, I don't have peace. I don't have peace. Right now in this place, the Lord wants to give each one of us peace. He wants to give each one of us peace. And for those of us who have made Jesus the Lord and Savior of our lives, we may need to go back, look at Colossians, look at Philippians, look at Thessalonians, look at a whole lot of other scriptures found in the New Testament and say, is my life lining up with the word of God? Because if it's not, how are we expecting to have peace if we live our own way? You know, it's just, 
it is a bit crazy. We want to do a set, one set of thing, but get, you know, it's like planting a potato and wanting a broccoli as a harvest. Like no farmer would plant a potato seed and start wailing when his broccoli doesn't turn up. But why do we think it's any difference that we don't forgive, we don't show meekness, we don't show kindness? Oh, but where's my peace? Well, what did you just sow? Oh, well, none of that. Well, there you go. That's what you call a troubled mind and heart. You've not sown anything that's needed for, to reap the harvest of peace in our lives. So let us all look at our lives and think, is there areas in our lives where there isn't peace? Is it in our relationships? Is it in our circumstance? And let's just check, do an inventory. Is, my, is the way that I'm living lining up to the word of God? And if it's not, do you know what? God's not there saying, well, that's it. Then you just fail. That's it. You'll never have it. God's not like that. He's like, hey, that's fine. Just repent over it and let's just turn direction. That's repent, what repentance is. It's just a turning of direction. Hey, you got off track. No problem. Let's get back on track because those promises are there for you. You know, and you may be in this place right now and you're like, do you know what? I don't even have peace because I didn't even know that there was a God in heaven that loved me and that, that Jesus died on the cross so that I could have peace. You know, if you're in this place today and you're like, I need answers to life. I need to know where I'm going when I die. I need that peace to walk through my daily life. Then it would give me the greatest honor to be able to introduce you to Jesus. You know, he is the one that died so that we could have peace. So that empty void in our hearts, you know, that sometimes when we go to bed and we're crying because we don't know how we can fill this emptiness and we don't know why we've got this emptiness because we've got a degree of success, we've got a degree of relationships, but we're still so empty. Well, it's because you're missing the one piece of the jigsaw, which is Jesus. He's the only one that can fill that emptiness. So right now I'm going to pray and I'd love to just lead you in a simple prayer to invite you to come to know Jesus right now. Just simply say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that you gave your life for me so that I could have peace with God. I'm a sinner. I've made mistakes and I need you as my savior. I need you to come into my life. Mm -hmm.